If we're going to cancel R. Kelly because of that, like, period, we have to cancel Cliff Huxtable. We got to cancel Dancing Chris Brown. We got to cancel all of Kevin Hart. Like, that to me is my problem with, the, with when I speak of it from a higher level, is that we're dealing with symptoms and we are not addressing the root issue. Mm-hmm. And so we got to make up our mind because we can't. It makes it challenging for others to take us seriously as a culture when we contradict ourselves so many times. Welcome to the Legacy and Lifestyle Show, where you'll learn how to live the life you want today while planning for the legacy you want to leave tomorrow. And I'm your host, George Atchenpalm, entrepreneur, financial advisor, fitness enthusiast, and foodie. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Legacy and Lifestyle Show. I am really excited about this episode. I know I say that often, but I'm super excited about this one because our guest today is likely going to be coming back again and again and again. And so I want to give you a brief background on who she is, and then we'll get right into it. With nearly 10 years of public relations experience spanning across B2B, B2C, crisis communications, media relations, social media, influencer engagement, experiential engagement, and leading C-suite communications, Melody Thuston is indeed a jack-of-all-trades. In short, she could say storytelling is kind of her thing. Recently, Melody served as the Senior Public Relations Specialist for Lowe's Home Improvement, leading CRS, which is Corporate Social Responsibility, communication efforts in Mooresville, North Carolina. Before Lowe's, Melody acted as a media relations manager at Gollin, formerly Gollin Harris in Chicago, Illinois, and is in the role, in, in, in this role, she acted as an expert in engaging consumers and business audience across earned, owned, shared, and paid media. So I could go on for probably another 17 minutes just telling you guys about all the stuff that she's done, but why would I do that when I can just have her share a little bit more about who she is? So with no further ado... Melody, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here. Um, I feel like I don't want to talk anymore about me. Let's just get to the shit. Let's get to it. So honestly, guys, we've had about like three podcasts before we turn the mics on. Uh, so that tells you anything about the dynamic and energy uh, that she brings. I, I, I don't know what else will. So um, I know I gave the formal, like, and it was probably like probably seven little it's lines. It's so formal. I know. So give me the informal. Like, tell me who Melody is. I love talking shit. Okay. I can dig it. (laughs) And I do it for a profession um, in a more formalized way, of course. But, um, I mean, I feel like you captured it. Been in PR for a really long time. Um, Worked with some really dope brands. Done some really cool things. But ultimately, my job has just been... um, Externally and internally storytelling. And so I think when we look at just how we consume information and how we consume stories, I've been a part of that from the from for a while, for nearly a decade now. Yeah. So I'm really passionate about it. I think that it's so it's ex, it's exci- an exciting time to be a part of the fabric of telling these unique stories, whether it be personally or on behalf of a brand or um, telling stories about a, a moment in time. Sure. 
I just think it gives you so much creativity and ability to really touch consumers in a really authentic way. So um, I'm so excited to be on this podcast because I think that it also, what excites me the most is that I get to kind of talk shit with someone else that talks shit as equally as much as I do. Absolutely. So why public relations? Like why PR? When did it like get on your radar that like PR is the thing? You know, to be honest with you, it kind of came about in a really non-conventional way. I was going to school to be a lawyer and decided senior year that of second semester that I had the intelligence to be an attorney, but I didn't have the real passion for it. And there was this, I wouldn't say emerging, but it was becoming more popular, popular, popularized um, career track of PR and comms and you know whatnot and I was like well this could be something that I'm interested in I could marry my innate ability to craft and write mm-hmm. um, and communicate with strategic thinking and being analytical and problem solving and just things that came natural to me sure so um, stayed my parents gave me I graduated in May they gave me until the end of the summer to get a real job <laughs> and I got a joke of an internship at literally someone's house. Yeah. And, uh, but I learned so much working there. And there was this company, it still exists, called Tyranny in Philly. It was near Rittenhouse Square. And I used to walk there. Um, I think I walked there maybe for like four weeks straight mm-hmm. in hopes to meet the director of communications. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what he looked like, had no idea who, nothing. I didn't know anything about him because at the time LinkedIn wasn't as booming to be able to find yeah. people. Yeah. And he was like a ghost. And I'm like, how are you a communications person and you're nowhere to be found? Yep. And maybe about the third week, third or fourth week that I had literally went up there during my lunch break, I would sit up there for an hour, mm-hmm. became really close with the admin man walks up to me and he's like you've been here regularly what are you doing (laughs) and I'm like I'm trying to meet Mr. Steve Albertini and he's like well today is your lucky day and I'm like oh my god like this is the day moment I've been waiting for yeah so he interviewed me ended up getting the job as an account coordinator and I sucked (laughs) like I was so bad I mean all of my colleagues at the time had these amazing internships and Mm -hmm. like you know, MTV, Viacom, and like, you know, New York Times, and these super prestigious comms internships, and I didn't even know what a media list was, or a press release. Yeah. So I was terrible, and one day, I had like really dropped the bomb, like I was supposed, ball, I was supposed to go to this event, I completely forgot about it, yeah. and ended up going <laughs> to happy hour with friends, Yeah. and the next day... My manager was like, um, you know you were supposed to go to this event. And I didn't even think of a good lie. I was like, I forgot. And I went into this black woman who was a, she was so beautiful. And she was like the only black woman at the company. She was a VP. She was, mm. she was like, she was, she was the shit. Yeah. And I went into her office and I was just crying because I was so embarrassed. And mm. she was like, cut it out. Don't you ever do that again. Don't you ever cry in the workplace. Mm. And that just kind of catapulted my my career into PR. Dope, dope. Um, so, obviously, I have a little additional background context in the sense that now I know you're in a place where you're exploring, you know, creative endeavors. Yes. You know, outside of the corporate space. So, I guess a couple things. Loaded question. What does that look like now? You know, going from this very structured, like... Yeah man, I'm working with the biggest and best friends in the world to now it's like, okay, let me take a lot of that that I learned and how can I propel my own journey 
and see what that looks like. So just tell me about like what that transition is looking hard. like. Hard. Yeah. It's really hard. I think it's weird because you get so and I feel like you can appreciate this as an entrepreneur, Absolutely. but you get you, you when you work in corporate America for such a long time and I think our generation is in that limbo stage yeah. of where we aren't like our parents in we lack creativity, but we're also not like our parents in that we're, we, we are beheld in or beholden to working in a corporate setting. Right. Conversely, this new generation, they don't even want to see. I mean, blue wrapped. Like, I've never seen a ceiling in my life. You know what I mean? So blue what? ivy wrapped. Oh, she did say that. That's true. So, That's true. Yeah. you know, they're, they're kind of coming into it in like, corporate what? And so I right. think being in a corporate setting for so long yeah. it's conditioned me to have these certain ceilings and now that I don't I have to be way more disciplined mm-hmm. um you have to make your own mile markers your own versions of what success looks like and I think that it takes I never had to structure before in my life so it's been challenging but it's also been the most liberating thing ever like I feel like my creative capacity is just doesn't exist it's like that's like a tag of creative capacity creative yes helping you identify your creative capacity (laughs) Um, but no that's dope because me me and Melody have had like a lot of kind of offline conversations about things that we hope to collaborate on Uh, one of the things being this podcast here we are um, and many of you don't know this but like I know this has been a podcast that started out with just me, and then I've had a bunch of great guests. But from day one, I wanted like a co-host, like and yeah. a female co-host to be exact, to where there's this different dynamic. Yes. And so that's what we're exploring right now. And I'm super excited because we've kind of pretty much already validated, right, yeah. that it's a thing. And so, you know, glad to have you on. Really I'm super bummed. I'm All so right. excited. So I would be remiss <laughs> if, because for context, I'm not sure exactly when this will air, but I'll try to make it as soon as possible so that it stays relevant. But I just watched the surviving R. Kelly thing. The six, the six episode whole fiasco, <laughs> which I didn't know was six episodes. I'm like, yo, I don't got time for this shit. But I end up watching it and I'm like, yo, R. Kelly's a wild dude. But if I'm being honest, like, while I was shocked to a degree, I, I, I honestly wasn't even really that surprised. Yeah. Like, I think I was surprised at the level of egregiousness that he, like, the acts that he committed. Like, damn, like he was really going hard on this. And still, to this day, um, I think I was a little like caught off guard by that, but I saw just so much outrage. I was like, "All right, I gotta, I gotta watch this." Thing. Yeah, right. And so, ironically enough, when I was looking at some of the podcast topics that you put together, because I hadn't looked at it until today, yep. Like the, she was like, "Oh, she puts her Bob and R. Kelly on there." So let's dive into that. And the reason why I want to dive into that, I don't want to just you know clout chase and, yep. and and talk about what's quote unquote relevant at the time. The context is that the name of the show is the Legacy and Lifestyle Show. You know, at the end of the show, I always ask people, you know, how are you living your lifestyle today to ensure that you have a more meaningful legacy tomorrow, right? And so the concept is understanding what that looks like. And R. Kelly, you know, arguably outside of the things that he's done, musically, no one can deny that he's created a crazy legacy, right? And so now we're at this place of exploring the reality of is he destroying it or is it or is it being destroyed by the things that were going on outside of the music. And so we, again, talked about this kind of ad nauseum before we even got on the podcast, but I, I want your perspective. Like, what do, what do you think? What do you think about this whole surviving R. Kelly fiasco and just the whole aspect of, like, what the situation represents? 
I mean, I think, A, one of the things I did really appreciate about the doc, I have, first of all, I have so many mixed emotions about we it. We want them all. We want I all mean, the emotions. It's, it's so many. But I think one thing that I appreciate about it, the, about the documentary, is I thought that it was a very um, wise and it added credibility by including psychologists. Mm-hmm. Because to me, the foiling of the lived experience with the science, sure. I think, gives a deeper kind of... Um, understanding of mm-hmm. what the trauma actually is. Yep. But I think that it also is somewhat of a rallying cry for us as a community. When I say us, I mean African-Americans to start like investigating some of these early onsets of trauma. Right. You know what I mean? And so I, I thought that was a super kudos for including that in the documentary. I think where I'm ultimately kind of at a crossroad and let me preface this by saying I do I think all of those women are telling the truth I think it it does take a tremendous amount of bravery and courage to get on um, a public forum and share such a like traumatic and very de- dehumanizing experience right um so I think that should definitely be commended and I definitely think this nigga needs jail time. Like, I don't understand how he has been able to avoid it for Skating. so long. I know the song that popped in my head. I'm like that. Jigga Kelly, not guilty. Like, yes, he, he really, did say that. He really, like, out here. You know what I'm saying? Like, but, yeah. He did. I forgot all about that. Yeah, that's the song. Like, literally, that's the song that kept popping in my head. Oh, like, my God. Not my jam. I didn't know that. I'm young. Like, when that thing. I knew, like, what was going on. To oh, my God. What year was that? That. Don't give me the line. But like, yo, that was the song oh. that popped in my head. Like, and I'm a, I'm a huge. Anybody knows me. I'm a like huge Jay fan. You know oh, what I'm saying? So by default, I knew about that song. I know every Jay Z song. I know every lyric to every song that he's ever written. I actually did a pod. One of my earlier podcasts was a dissecting of the 444 album mm. because of all of the uh, financial and wealth gems, you know, that were dropped. It just made sense. But yeah, dang! So, I was trying to find it because that, that was like, you're right head, that he you know? did make a whole song about that. But I think <sighs> I'm a music lover. Yeah, I, I don't think I could. I genuinely think I would not be able to breathe, and that's so dramatic. But that I feel dramatic. like, but let's, let's, let's I just love music so much, uh-huh. and like, are we really gonna cancel his cat his catalog of music? Now, to be fair. A lot of people are arguing where how some of the songs were written about the victims. Touche. I get it. But also, what about the songs that weren't? You know what I mean? Like, I just, I, I struggle with, like, are we really going to cancel, like, all of the, of the songs and all of the great writing? I mean, the writing he's done for other artists? Because that's, I mean, that's, a, that's, that's, that's going to take a lot to, to strip the black community of the artistry he has brought, which to me, that's a objective statement. Mm -hmm. I think that independent of that, I think that I also feel very strongly that when it comes to black men, specifically in entertainment, it is this instantaneous stoning of them as it relates to, um, Anything that they've done that we might have already that, that isn't but, new information. But is it instantaneous though? I mean, think about it, like to your point, R. Kelly's been skating for years. So why, like that? Right? You, know you said I mean? it's instantaneous. It's, it's, it is instantaneous. Now all of a sudden, after you've been skating for years, we are like up in arms about it, mm-hmm. and that's happened. And, and to be, I really want to under, underscore and emphasize: this is not 
absolving his crimes that he's done. But when you right. think about, you know, like I'm just saying, let's just be, let's play let's play devil's advocate. Kevin Hart, are we gonna the fact that he tweeted something years ago that he's apologized? What more do we want the man to do? We think about Bill Cosby. That was I'm not in. You know what I'm saying? It's just a pattern of like. Now we're at R. Kelly, and, and these are all things that aren't new information. So now we're just all of a sudden so, at this point. I'm, I'm, I think that's a wonderful devil's advocate perspective, right? I think what this has done, because mm-hmm. a lot of times you see this, 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 these situations like where it's a whole documentary, like the guy's gone, like he's dead, right? And it's now we're, we're doing this whole documentary about what happened. I think what's unique about this situation, this man is still alive and well and thriving, right, to a degree. And so I think... And again, I could be wrong. Maybe there's other instances. But what this does, I think it's like, it is a wake-up call. Yes. It's kind of like, all right, well, damn, for all of us. Like, yeah. have we been allowing things to to just pass and skate and go under the radar, forget about how, Chris Brown, right? We're all, I think the, the big reality we got to take away from this, and I'll, and I'll get back to the actual documentary, but like, we all have to accept responsibility. It isn't unique to R. Kelly. We all got to accept responsibility that we put the artistry mm, above okay. the person. That's fair. Right? Yeah. We, got, we all got to accept responsibility. But to your point, Kevin Hart, but damn, he's funny. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Uh, Chris Brown, beat the but shit But damn, that nigga can dance. But, oh, but, but he can dance. <laughs> oh, really? I got an attitude, boo? Like, you know? So yeah. it's just like, I think, and maybe it's just the perfect storm. I'm not, it's not about R. Kelly, but maybe he's a martyr in the sense that like, well, damn, it had to be you. Hey, yeah. it, it had to be him. But like, I'm hoping that if anything, what this is, is a wake up call. Like, we all are accountable for letting people slide on some fuck shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, Chris, I'm guilty. I, I, I got a playlist that got a dope Chris Brown song right now. Undecided. I'm guilty. Not the playlist, but he's just talking about the song that he has. Yeah. Now it's a little bit older. Oh. It's like, I'm, I'm a terrible singer, but it's like, no, you ain't going back to YouTube, <laughs> You know what I'm talking about that song? No. Like, Is it that bad? Yes. Whatever. I'm, I'll find it before the show's over. Uh. But yeah, like, I got him on the playlist. I watched, me and my wife watched the movie with Kevin Hart in the last week. Yeah. Like, so it's like, Where's the measuring stick? Yeah. Like, where's the normal scene around? Well, this is bad, but this isn't too bad. Like, and granted, again, let's continue to reiterate and underscore that this does not absolve no. R. Kelly of no. anything. We're not making false equivalencies. We're just having a healthy dialogue to say, all right, if we're going to hold R. Kelly accountable, which we absolutely yeah. should, what does that mean for how we move forward with everybody else yes. in our community, as a yes. culture, and up and beyond? Yes. Right? You know what I'm saying? I saw this one little clip that said the reason why black women are so dead set on seeing him go down, quote unquote, go down, is because what it did is it triggered an experience that happened to them and made them identify with the situation. Mm. And so that was why they're like, like we got to see R. Kelly go. You know what I mean? But, well, but and I, just to interject on yeah. that point. I think, and let, and and I just want to be clear on this. I'm on board for canceling him. I okay. want to make sure that okay. that's yeah. understood. I do like some of his songs. I'm not going to deny yeah. that, but I'm on board for canceling him because I think when you do look um, to when you look at the pattern, especially the men that I mentioned, you think mm-hmm. of Kevin Hart, you think of um, Bill Cosby, you think of even Chris Brown. Again, not absolving them, but I think what makes R. Kelly so much more. Um, really troubling is that these were kids. These were kids. These were kids, right? So, so to your point, you it's know, like we have to we have to address everything on a situational yeah. level, you know, because at yeah. the end of the day, Kevin Hart was wrong in his own right, but he was cheating. Other he women. was just stupid. You know, what I'm saying made, yeah. made bad decisions. Chris Brown beat her up and 
did whatever else he's done, but like that's what still a woman of age, and, and well, these are things that have happened. And it's, so it's like we can't make a blanket, correct, sweep, sweeping generalization yes. that because we're canceling R. Kelly, we got to cancel everybody, or you know, if this, then that. It's not an algorithm. Yeah, like, we have to like as a culture, yeah, like face these things head on to the. But side. I'm saying you got to keep that same energy, though. To me, in some, in that perspective, mm-hmm. yeah, we do. If we're gonna cancel R. Kelly, we genuinely got to cancel Chris Brown. If we're going to, because at that point, that to me is a blanket statement. Their crimes are not the same, but we are acting as a community as though the punishment should be. Mm. So we have to make a decision on if we're going to cancel R. Kelly because of that, like, period. We have to cancel Cliff Huxtable. We got to cancel Dancing Chris Brown. We got to cancel all of Kevin Hart. Like, that to me is my problem with, the, with when I speak of it from a higher level is that we're dealing with symptoms and we are not addressing the root issue. Mm-hmm. And so we got to make up our mind because we can't, it, it makes it challenging for others to take us seriously as a culture when we contradict ourselves so many times. I, I agree with you. Here's, here's why I kind of draw the line though. I draw the line that I think Bill Cosby and R. Kelly, they're in a category together, right? Uh, uh, Kevin Hart, this is an ancient, he got money, ancient nigga that wants to do what he wants to do. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, he's kind of in his own category. Chris Brown, domestic violence. So it's like, that's why I say that they're all wrong. But what we have to do as a culture is we can't just ignore what they did and then go back to loving the music. We got to address it as a case-by-case basis to determine what that looks like. I think so in terms of canceling, my whole thing is it's not so much about do we need to cancel them, more so than are we actively as a culture making them own up for what they've done and f- from that decide how we move forward. Because if we don't, then we would be also contradictory because then we're putting all that energy into the celebrities and some of the things that they're doing that your uncle's doing or yeah. you know your, your husband is doing. You worry about, you know... Uh, Kevin Hart cheating and your your husband is cheating. Right, so like, right, right, so right. It still has to be, in my opinion, situational just because we can't put Kevin Hart in the same category as R. Kelly. You know what I mean? What we have to do, though, is understand that we can no longer let shit slide in terms of holding people accountable but are we really, based upon where they are, huh? I, I guess that's, we say this every time. We said that for Chris Brown. I remember, I remember very clearly when that whole happened, and he he was, and he had a he had a streak. And don't and please, if anyone knows me, knows I love me some Chris Brown music. Yeah. But he had a streak of like wilding out from mm-hmm. when he went on Today Show and through the chair or GMA or whatever morning show mm-hmm. was to just a series of of like misbehavior, if you right. want to qualify it as that. And everybody, there were tons of opinion pieces and, and experts and people from the black community mm-hmm. across all verticals, media, activism, sports, all these different people that were like, we got to set a new standard. When Bill, Co- when Bill um, Cosby's situation came out, do you remember Ebony did a whole entire yeah. cover story on how we have to cancel him and mm-hmm. we got to set a new standard and we got to change all of these things about us as a community. And now, here we are with R. Kelly and we're still saying the same thing. But, to your point though, we did cancel Bill Cosby. He's out of here. He's in, he's in somebody's jail cell getting hot dogs thrown up. We got him out of here. <laughs> no. I guess... So, so you're an intellectual, so you can understand this. What I'm saying is, conceptually, mm-hmm. we have to have the conversation. But beyond the conversation, the accountability has to be specific. It's just like a trial, right? Like, and who are we to say that we're in a position to have that trial, right? But like, 
every trial is unique. You yeah. Know? So it's not like, well, he killed 21 people and he killed two. We're going to give him the same sentence. Right, 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 right. It, has, right, right, it right. has to be situational. So what I'm saying is that has to happen. And then beyond that, to your point, it's like there can't be this ebb and flow of, well, we let him slide and then he's good again. Oh, he did something else. We let him slide. He's good again. We have to be the change we want to see because to your point, we can't get everybody. Right. This, to this day, if R. Kelly had a concert right now and it didn't get muted or canceled, like there would be people that wanted to show Yes. Up. So, so we can't, we can't expect everybody to be in on it, but what we have to do is be the change that we want to see. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you don't, and if you don't stand for it, even if at that time it's unpopular because everybody has gotten back to the Chris Brown or has gotten back to listen to R. Kelly, if you truly have, have stand by the reality that this isn't the way, this isn't the move, you got to stick to that. Because, again, I even felt guilty. I'm thinking about, well, damn, if you put it that way, it's like, I got Chris Brown on the playlist. Yeah. I saw, I saw Kevin Hart's movie the other week. It's like, then the other devil's advocate perspective is at what point or what things are forgivable and what things aren't. Yes. You know, because then we have to really ask ourselves, these people are on a public pedestal, so we get to see and hear it all. But there's so much stuff, you and I know both, behind the scenes that regular everyday people yeah. are doing some, you know, messed up stuff. I just get it. it. To me, it's exhausting. It is so exhausting that it often feels like, as black people, we are constantly not only creating culture we're fighting for it and 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 to me you look at that's why i really struggle with the whole me too movement because to me that although a black woman was the one to found it and create it Mm -hmm. it has become the rallying cry for white women and wanting to be included in the diversity conversation and so when you look at these injustices of all of the people we just named mm-hmm. and the opposing side of white men specifically that have done these type of things we we don't they don't get the same type of treatment and it's not a them versus us it's just an observation and one that i hope we will be able to kind of challenge that mm-hmm. because when you think about let's just say Matt Lauer like that nigga got let go in in a full sweep we haven't heard about him since and so, and, the, and there were these, you know, Harvey Weinstein, I know that they're supposed to be doing a doc on him, but I feel like there was not the same type of energy. Damn, our president, who was on caught on, on audio saying very offensive things and has been noted as being a um, participant of sexual assault. And so you look at how that's where it's confusing that wh- why are we always the ones... <laughs> to have to do, you know, we got to create the culture. We got to create the trends. We got to, these same white people that mm-hmm. I, I, I find it hard pressed, George, for all the white women, whether it be, or white artists from Celine Dion to Lady Gaga mm-hmm. to all these white artists that had no idea of the things that he was doing, but they wanted a hit though. Mm-hmm. And so now that it's gotten the, 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 the heat's too hot in the kitchen, Lady Gaga comes out with a statement talking oh, yeah, about yeah. she's, you know, denouncing the songs and it'll never be played. Now, that song was written in 2012 or 2013, and now you're saying you have an issue with it. No, I, I can respect that. And it's a very, you know, nuanced conversation. I think that we have to just continue to elevate our perspective and then, like, quantify if we are meeting that standard. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's like, cause if we're all being out, I mean, hell, I don't know how old I was when the whole... R. Kelly fiasco originally was going down, but like 
you know, it wasn't, it just wasn't on my right. And then for a very long time, entertainment specific, like that's just been a part of their culture. Like older men, that's with younger women. And like, it just, it goes without saying, and I'm going to sleep with old buddy to prepare my career. So it's like, there's accountability all over the place. So who makes the list of what we're going to tolerate? Do we, do we stop, do we start the bar at um, domestic abuse? Do we start the bar at cheating and infidelity? Do we start the bar at (laughs) molestation? And where does it start? I think that's a conversation that you know? that has to continue to be had. I don't think, you know, to your point, you said it earlier offline. It's like we feel like we got to be the judge, the jury, like yeah. you know, everything. I, I don't know. I, yeah. I'm comfortable saying that, but I think beyond the dialogue, it's like okay, let's let's talk, let's figure out like what, what we're all not what we're all, but where yeah. I'm at, right? And then continue this level set. Like I don't I don't know. I don't know the answer. I don't know like where's the bench. Because if that were the case. We would have canceled Jay Z for cheating. Mm-hmm. We would have canceled Kobe Bryant for cheating. Mm-hmm. We would have canceled um, <laughs> Michael Jackson. Right, which, which is canceled, to your point. Why? Like, who we, which is why we have to have like it, it, we have to have that like situation based determination on what's right and what's wrong. And then on top of that, the realization that as much as we don't want to place these people on a pedestal, they're just the uh, they're they're humans right yeah. they're just like us but they're entertainers or they're athletes or they're whatever they are right and so it's like we got to figure out that line I, I feel like with R. Kelly with the kids thing it's like okay yeah. that's, that's reasonable yes. like we got to cancel Bill Cosby yeah that's pretty reasonable right yeah. like you know what I'm saying cheating not that I buy any stretch of imagination I'm justifying but like if you're up and out up and up in arms about it I'm pretty sure there's somebody within three degrees of separation that you know right now yeah that's cheating so it's like it's hard, man. It's hard. It's hard to like draw that hard line and figure out like where's the starting yeah. point. I, I just think- I think you brought up a good point too about I, the people that I I place the most responsibility on yes. is his village yes. because he there is no way in God's green earth he was able to do this for that long without help. Yeah, and so when you think about that. That to me is is deeply troubling, deeply, deeply, troubling, deeply troubling. That there were, you know, fourteen year olds where grown people were walking in and seeing these things happen, and nobody said anything. That's what I. Honestly, That's crazy. That was my biggest takeaway from the documentary. Yeah. I was like, okay, like you had my man who was his personal assistant forging right. the documents to get married. Like at what point? At what point? Like. Does your conscience? Yeah, because, because here's what happened. Here's the thing: we're all human, and so if everybody around you starts pushing away. Like, yo, I'm not with that. I'm not with that. I'm not with that. That is going to help. Now, again, want to keep underscoring: R. Kelly is responsible and needs to be accountable for his actions. Yeah. However, if you have people that are around you that aren't like stepping up and saying like no, or if, if nothing else, walking away. Yeah. But you want you're so busy trying to get on that payroll. Yeah. Like, even like with yep. Sparkle and her in her um her niece. Like how uh, the parents were like, "No, nah, it's not my daughter," and the daughter, and she's not. And she, the daughter was like, "No, nah, it's not me." Like, why do you think that was? Right? Was is it just embarrassment and shame, or is it payroll? Yeah, like she, she said that her brother was the guitar. Yeah, like people like so the moral compass is bended by money, right? Yeah. Then, and then on top of that, the industry forgives because like, well, damn, Chris Brown did this, but Chris Brown is that dude. He's back. At yes. So to your point, to bring it back full circle, yes, I'm very outraged by the parents and the people and I understand that like everything is situational yeah. but like if you even have the smallest inkling yeah. that this man is a sexual predator shouldn't be around women 
Why would you even introduce? Well, right. Oh, I want to propel a career. I'm gonna be around. No, but you know, that. Like, yeah. He like don't think that you're so smart and so clever. Like, this is what this man does. Yes. Me and Madge were laughing at the fact that like, yo, he got the same move. I'm gonna slide you the number. I'm gonna tell you yep. the star. Like, yep. he did the same move for 20 years. Yeah. And you think that somehow you go all outsmart blah blah blah? Like, no, like. You got to accept responsibility for the fact that you looked at your child potentially as a meal ticket. Yes. And it's like, I want, I think you can put him on. If she's, what God has for you is for you. Yeah. If she's supposed to be on, R. Kelly ain't the only pathway to right. success. Right. Why would you even like, like rip that number, whether it's fake or real, rip that number up. Have your daughter yeah. mad at you. Whatever the threats is, lock her ass in the room. I don't care what you got to do. keep him away from But him. don't <laughs> let her get near R. Yeah. Kelly. Yeah. You know there was a you report. Responsibility for that. There was a report that said, um, apparently... Um, R. Kelly wanted to spend some like evening time with Destiny's Child. I heart my- and mm-hmm. Matthew Knowles was like, hard no. Yes. Like, hell to the naw. Yep. And you got to think about like, you know, where, where and, and the unfortunate thing is, I also, what a theme that I saw was he has a specific type. Mm-hmm. And most predators, I feel like, do. Yep. And he would ask specific questions like, what's your family situation? Mm-hmm. And like these type of questions where he could manipulate right. the vulnerability of, 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 of those insecurities or yep. those kind of, you know, areas mm-hmm. of, of gray. And so he knew he could only go so far with like a Destiny's Child because Matthew knows was a habit. Yeah. Right? But conversely... You look at Shorty, that was, I think she was, what, 14, 14. going to his trial, like, with a sign? Right. Like, what? You know, going up to Kenwood, like... Now, granted, I know that she mentioned that her mom was single mom working, you know, and so, again, everything is situational, but it's just like, like, if you don't, if, like, somebody, like, what's going to wake somebody up is if I got, you know, he at this point probably had 50, 60 people in his inner circle. And nobody's speaking. Nobody's everybody, everybody wants that checker. Everybody's like, he's the he's the one that's paying everybody bills. Like, I'm gonna let us. He has personal assistant or the lawyers writing the non-disclosure right. agreements, right? Because we gotta remember the nigga can't read or write. Exactly. <laughs> Period. So there's that part. Right. So it, it's, there's something to be said about the fact that again, never absolving R. Kelly of his responsibility, never creating false equivalencies right. about what is or what isn't. But there's something to be said specifically in his situation. Of all the people that made they were him insulating feel, him, yeah, yeah. That made him feel invincible. Or think about it: if I can't read or write, and you, then how do I know that this contract that you're signing is good for me to like make sure that I'm protected? Yeah, like, like there's so many people. His personal assistant, the families that were so des, and I and I feel for them because it doesn't it, it doesn't make it any different that there's victims from the situation. Yeah, but it's just like. Oh, and, the, and the, the father, he was just like, you know, I kind of heard something about some allegations, but I just said, like, no, I don't care what you kind of heard. Yeah. First of all, you probably said that to downplay it to make yourself look better, that you knew it was a bad decision. But secondly, bro, like, that's your baby girl. I know, and I've read some stuff yeah. about her placing threats and saying, if you don't let me do this, I'm, I'm going to hurt myself. And there being a whole other connection of, like, the pre- I understand yeah. all of it. But what I'm saying is, at some point, at least I can sleep at night as a parent. If I say, I, I locked my daughter in a room because I refused to let her go be with this predator. Yeah. And she, you know, was mad at me or whatever ended up happening. I could probably live with that versus being like, well, I kind of strayed the area, knew the dude was weird, had somehow lured her to the hotel, had sex with her. Yeah. Right? Now I'll, I'll allow her to be accompanied in... Uh, with with one of us or my of her or her sister, like why are you even allowed? Like you just gotta nip that in the bud, and that's it. Just really frustrated me again. Not to take away from 
what he did. I'm yeah. keep saying that because I know there's going to be some people that be like, well, no, you're a big right. or blah, blah, blah. And you know, there's an ancient Chinese proverb <laughs> that says, if you dry up a well, no one can drink. And I still go back to if we, you know, the, I think one of the psychologists on the show was saying how he was hiding in plain sight. Yep. And um, in the midst of when the trial happened, that's when, like, the 21 counts mm-hmm. for the P-tape, um, that was the peak of some of his greatest hits. Ignition yep. came out. Um, mm-hmm. I think, don't quote me on this, but I think maybe Fiesta came out. Mm-hmm. Um, Happy People, or um, Step in the Name of Love. I haven't been to a wedding yet that hasn't played. Step in the Name of Love. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like a wedding, black wedding staple. Yeah. So I say that to say that if we, as a audience, would have said, we are not supporting this. We're not buying the music. DJs, we're not giving you air spins. Mm -hmm. Like, that then would have forced some of these people to have to to hold him accountable. Because there's no way, if he's making music, which is what he is, a musician, (laughs) and we are not supporting that type of artistry because it's tied to something that our internal compass as a people Mm -hmm. says, we got to stop this. We can't control his paychecks. We can't control that, but we can control what we can do. do. You know what that makes me think about? It's like, and again, this this might be somewhat of a reach, but what it makes me think about is at the end of the day, all of us have to take a really introspective look at ourselves. Yes. To say, it's what is my where's my life at? And it, it for me is having that entertainment, having that music, the escape that I need, so that I'm not gonna connect. I have enough shit going on. Yeah. So I'm not gonna connect myself to what he's doing or she's doing or what she got going on. I'm just gonna extract what I need yeah. to escape my own reality. And that's why I'm like letting the other stuff slide. Because if we're being honest, if I really take us took a step back and looked at myself, yeah. maybe there's some things within me. It's like. I feel like I'm, I need this escape or I need this music yeah. because there's things in my life yes. with my own mental health yes. my own life that I need like that outlet yeah. right? which allows me to separate the man or woman from the artistry because I need that yes because right? you know what it makes me think of George the fact that we've kind of said um, you know we hold his village accountable the more I think about it we are the village yeah if we're being, so honest. We, if we're being honest we kind of have to hold ourselves accountable because it's not just the lawyers and the publicists and the accountants it's the audience members and so we can't we can't be if we're gonna have an honest conversation we cannot absolve ourselves from blame because we are the lawyers the publicists wouldn't have jobs if it were not for us correct correct (laughs) you know we're gonna go to a quick commercial break and we'll be we'll be right back What's up guys? So I know that I said we were going to pause for a quick commercial break, but actually when we came back from the break, we really got into a lot more great stuff and uh, we just ran over time. So rather than having a really long podcast episode, we're going to split this up into two episodes and part two is also available. So feel free to listen now. Thank you for tuning in to the Legacy and Lifestyle Show with your host, George Achenpong, where you'll learn how to live the life you want today while planning for the legacy you want to leave tomorrow. Purpose, passion, and profit. Makes sense to me.